0: Everything Canucks before and after the games. Canucks Central with Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, happy Monday to you. Welcome to the People's Show. Coming to you live from the Kintec Studio. Kintec Footwear and Orthotics. Canada's favorite orthotic provider. Supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. If you want to be part of the show, as always. Anything that's on your mind. Free takes. Any take, any question, comment, concern, drop it in, 650-650, into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox, Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you, in Ladner on Bridge Street, Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center, or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. I'm Bick behind the glass, Ryan running the board, Elon, and we go live now to our residents New York Jets fan with reaction to the Aaron Rodgers trade. Dom how's it going? This is the best day ever. We knew this day was coming, but now that it's here, book those tickets to Vegas, baby. We're going to the Super Bowl. A little surprised uh, it happened before the draft. Wasn't but... that uh what was reported they want to get the, get it done before sure. uh teams started drafting? Hey man, I want a lot of things. They don't uh, always come to fruition. <laughs> Yeah, but you're not Aaron Rodgers, you're not the New York Jets, you're not uh, the Green Bay Packers. Well, with negotiating parties, uh, things can always be a bit difficult, but they figure it out, a little trade back. Again, I always thought they'd hang on to 13, and it would be a future one that gets moved. Yeah. Uh, so they do a little pick swap, and send up a second round pick this year, Yeah. and a conditional second next year, which can improve to a first if Aaron Rodgers plays 65% of the snaps. You know what stat blew my mind? In the 30 seasons between Favre and Rodgers, they only won two Super Bowls in Green Bay. Yeah. Talk about wasted potential. Uh, Yes. And yet uh, you see what people are willing to sacrifice for uh, good quarterbacks. Yeah. Even just one season of good quarterbacking. And while it was necessary for the New York Jets to do this, I do have a little bit of a feeling where this is like running the yellow light. Where if you can see the next light, is it worth it going for it? It feels like the Jets are racing to a red light here. Because it's not as if this this allows them to become a powerhouse now in the AFC. Remember, this is a team that went 7-10. and 10. They were sub-20 in their point differential as well last year. Yes, it's Zach Wilson, and yes, Aaron Rodgers is an improvement. Is he going to be worth 200 points? How much is this going to matter? Defense year-to-year is not sticky. It can flip. And the reason I say racing to a red light is it's great right now. You got through the light. Are you just going to wait for the pack to catch up to you? Pack, tongue-in-cheek, of course. Because what happens here is if you get one year out of this, And the stakes are Super Bowl or bust. Even conference championship is not good enough for the New York Jets. You make this type of move, you have to win the Super Bowl. That's it. You miss out, you've now given up draft assets down the road that you're going to need to replace Zach Wilson anyways. So while I would do the trade if you're the New York Jets, if this doesn't work in year one, it is problematic immediately. And hey, congratulations, you might be racing to a red light. Uh, let's get into it uh, about the draft. Let's talk to Thor Nystrom, who joins us now, who uh, drops his annual Thor 500. If you want to check out 500 players, uh, get get yourself ready for Thursday. It's the one of the most exhaustive draft guides you can find. Thor Nystrom joins us now from Fantasy Pros and Betting Pros. Thor, congratulations on the release, and uh, thanks a lot uh, for joining us here today. Hey! Thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate it. Good to talk to you. Um, so, like, do you manage to get some rest in? Uh, you know, now that five hundred player release gets dropped. That's what May is for. <laughs> <laughs> rest is for the future. Absolutely. Exactly. Uh, all right. Let's get into this. Um, I, I, I want to stay away from some of the QBs here tonight, uh, today. We'll, we'll talk about them through the course of the week. Uh, and, and just the, the rest of the draft of how this shakes goes. Because, look, we know what's happening at the top. Carolina's taken uh, a QB. But, like, where does this draft start getting interesting to you and which players influence those decisions? Immediately after the first pick. The draft
1: starts at two. But the crazy thing is, like, we're only three days away right now. And not only do we not know who the second pick is, we don't know the team that's going to be making that pick. Uh, Houston is, is shopping it around right now. And if they're stuck in that slot, it looks like they're going to surprise people and take one of the wills, either Will Anderson, which would probably be a little bit more justifiable or reach for Will Levis. seems like Houston doesn't like CJ Stroud. And to your other question, he, he, CJ Stroud is the wild card now, you know, a guy that we all assumed is going to go top two, you know, up to last week, but Houston seems to be reticent about him and, there's some other people in the NFL that might be reticent too about the, the S2 test that came out. Eighteenth percentile was obviously very low, but CJ Stroud was, you know, on the field. I, I don't know how you can question his ability to process information. And you know, he just shredded Georgia's NFL defense. His last game in college it was 350 yards and however many touchdowns he had, zero interceptions. The only other quarterback that threw for over 300 yards with no interceptions against Georgia over the last two seasons when they won the national title over 30 games. Was Bryce Young?
0: So it is uh, flush at the top of the draft then with quarterback. Uh, you, you mentioned Will Anderson. Um, you know, it, it feels like because he's so polished that there's been no buzz and no interest into him. And and you know he's edge number one. It feels like he's kind of going underlooked. Just how good of a player is Will Anderson going to be at the next level? Yeah. He's fabulous. And yeah, I mean, you see
1: this every process with the guy who was like immediately good, but then he has to, you know, he has to play out his career in college Mm -hmm. and then people start nitpicking him. But Will Anderson has been a pass rushing prodigy since high school. You know, like, you know, out of Georgia, he was a top 20 recruit coming out, obviously dominated immediately in college. His sophomore season is one of the great pass rushing seasons we've literally ever seen. Um, Last year, maybe a, a quote-unquote minor step back. But, like, I mean, the, the numbers he put up the year before, it was like, you know, hitting over 400 with with 80 home runs and 200 RBIs in a season. It's like, yeah, maybe it's okay that he stepped back just slightly off of that pace. But, yeah, like, we don't see, you know, pass rushers coming to league every year that are that productive and, and have that kind of skill set. Um, I'm not going to call him Lawrence Taylor, but, like, if it's me at the top of the board, unless I need one of the QBs, um, he's right up there, you know, in terms of the best prospect in this in this class.
0: Just taking a look at your big board and and it feels like there's a trend kind of emerging this year and look you can only draft what's available but obviously like the the key positions are going to be quarterback, offensive line, defensive line, wide receiver and cornerback and it feels like the first round is actually just populated with all those players there's not a lot of linebackers, there's not a lot of safeties uh, near the top end of the draft it, it if you're looking for premium positions this draft is kind of what it has for you does it also reflect how high end this draft is or is it just about the positions that are available No, it's an
1: interesting class in that, like, there's a few positions that are really, really, really good. Um, I I, I would put running back there. i put tight end there. Certainly put corner back there. Um, And then there's some other positions that are not nearly as good as in recent years. The wide receiver class is way, way down, Um, you know, and then there's some other ones that are just down just a little bit or whatever. But, um, like, that's what I, I think is interesting about this class is, like, the the you know extreme quality of some position groups, and then the absolute dearth of talent at other ones.
0: It's, is offensive line? Look, I, I know it's not sexy, but you start making those picks in the first round, you'll make up the difference later on in two three years, and that's when you start winning playoff games because you have depth at such a premium position. When you look at offensive line, how does this stack up to previous classes? So some people think it's a bad offensive
1: line class. I actually don't agree with that, but I would modify it. Um, I, like, in terms of, like, the, the tackles and the interior guys, I think it's pretty solid through at some point in round two. But the where this class is, is different in terms of that is the talent starts to fall off a shelf real quick. Like, if you don't get one of those first, you know, you know 12, 14 guys between those, you know, between the five positions, I guess. After that, you are throwing darts. You know, whether it's project guys or whether it's the the low ceiling, higher floor guys that don't have the athletic profile to be difference makers at the next level, but you know will hang on to a job. So, like, if you want your offensive lineman this year, as long as you're marked that top 60 pick or so on it, I think you're going to be fine. If you don't, that's where you're going to be in trouble, It, you know, taking them later on in terms of, you know like some of these years past you've had the depth of that class where you know you know in terms of the offensive line you could wait till round 3 you could wait till round 4 and there was like interesting uh, dice rolls later on uh, i i just think the depth of it's not there but at the top there is and interestingly there's been reports that have come out recent days that some of those offensive linemen might get dragged up the board that i i think it was Tony Paulina reported yesterday the, the day before that that there were some teams who were trying to trade up to the three slot, perhaps targeting Paris Johnson. Um, You know, I I don't know if it would go that far. I'd be kind of surprised if he went three. But what would not surprise me is those offensive linemen in the first two rounds getting pulled up relative to where you saw in mock drafts, just because teams playing the three-dimensional chess thing know that if we don't do that in the first two rounds, we could be left out in the cold after that.
0: Paris Johnson is the the offensive tackle from Ohio State. You know, I've spent some time talking about Peter Skoronsky on these airwaves uh, as well from Northwestern, who could transition to a guard as well. Uh, after them, you know, I know there's been some conversation about a Darnell Wright, who is, is he just viewed as strictly right side, and is that how he'll profile at the next level? All right, we may have uh, lost Thor there just for a minute. We'll reach out and try to bring him back. Uh, but yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. And and he mentioned just. Uh, Teams trying to move up in the draft to grab some offensive linemen. Look, I've always viewed offensive linemen kind of like doubling down in blackjack. You got your 11, make your bet, and you try to make it up later on when that last card comes down. That's how you make up the value. And if you're an Arizona Cardinal fan right now, you want to go protect Kyla Murray long-term, do you go draft an offensive lineman and say, hey, look, this is going to be a tough year anyway. anyways with Kyler out? We got to go protect this guy down the road. What better way to get a lot of reps in a semi-meaningless year as well for the Arizona Cardinals? And come 2024, now you got an offensive lineman with a whole bunch of reps in a difficult environment and start building around what should be the future of the Arizona Cardinals offense. They're an interesting spot, sitting at number three. Again, it still kind of feel like they take defense, your best player on the board, your new regime coming in. Do you take a Will Anderson or a Jalen Carter? Just feel clean about it, feel good about the state of your uh, direction of the franchise now that you have the first step taken as a new group. But you do have to consider the overall team build, which is what was my point uh, at the start of the show. Yes, it's great that the Jets got Aaron Rodgers, but what does this look like overall? Look, if you win a Super Bowl, fantastic. You go compete for a Super Bowl, and the trade becomes a big win. But that's the only... Line of success. Just having a good season is not enough for the New York Jets. Uh, We'll uh, reconnect now with Thor Nyström. Thor, it's on our end, our bad, uh, but appreciate you hanging on there. Uh, We were talking about the uh, the offensive line class, and I kind of pitched you about Darnell Wright, uh, who looks like a very good right tackle. Is he only going to be featured on the right side at the next level? Yeah, I mean, like you know, just to finish up
1: there. Guard is, uh, I mean, he's going to be a very good guard if he doesn't hang a right tackle. So, I mean, you have the three-position versatility there, and you also have the bullet if you don't work at right tackle. That's why, like, there's this idea that, that you know, he, he could be risky because some of the scouts have brought up, like, you know, personality things, whatnot. I, 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 to me, that that's not as big of a deal as, as that ability to slide down the line if, if, if indeed you fail at, at right tackle, and, and you know, some of that scuttle, but you never know what, what of that to believe. So, yeah, I mean, like, I like him. He's a mid-first rounder to me.
0: You have uh, Quentin Johnson on your board as wide receiver one. I'll admit for me, like, I had a lot of trouble watching him just because I didn't know, like, how this is going to translate to the next level. He's a big guy, 6'2", from TCU. A lot of fans would have seen him obviously have success there in, in the, the college football playoffs. Um, why is he wide receiver one for you? Well, he can do so many different things, and the ceiling is there. You know, I was talking
1: before about how this this crappy this receiver class is. He is the one guy in this class that profiles as a true number one NFL wide receiver. If if things click for him, right? And I don't think he's nearly as far away from that as other people do. He his profile got nitpicked for a, a series of things that I think are unfair. You know, not, you know, one of them was like, oh, he 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 ran a limited route tree at TCU. It's like, well, sure, but. That was the offense, number one. Number two, he's going to run a limited route tree in the NFL as well. He throws over 100 miles per hour and, and, like, you know, has a really good breaking ball, too. So, like, let's have him throw those two pitches and, and let's let the slot receiver do the slot receiver things. You know, it, 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 it's funny, like, how, how they do that sort of thing. It, the other one was ball skills. But it was interesting. You know, I, I was watching this film, and I developed this theory about that, which is – you know, people would say he's a body catcher. He's not a body catcher. Um, it, it's that on some occasions he lets the ball get into his frame and, and he does that. But what I noticed was it was always the stuff on the freebie throws, like where his feet were set, you know, and different stuff like that. That's where that habit started to pick up. And so I started to think, I think that this is because he's thinking about his run after the catch, mm-hmm. which also would explain some of the quote unquote concentration drops. And what was fascinating was two weeks ago, his personal wide receiver coach came out and said the exact same thing. Like that's what the drops were attributable to. Um, so like th- that thing is fixable. It- it- it's, it's not a hands issue. It's not even really a technique thing. It's more about his eyes, right? Like he just needs to, to shepherd that ball in and then, you know, turn the corner and then start running. He's one of the best after the catch uh, receivers in this game he might be the best one in, in, in this class. Um, so like you know that is something that is absolutely correctable by coaching. But like at TCU, he had to handle a metric ton of of, of you know in terms of the uh, moving the offense whatnot. And so he wanted to make a play every time he had the ball in the NFL. I think they're going to tell him like Quentin, we need you to catch the ball first, and you know after that figure it out. But um, I, I think that stuff's correctable, and if it is, he, I mean he he will be a, a number one wide receiver in NFL offense. And talking about the higher floor. Even if he doesn't, he's a wide receiver too and a solid one in the NFL. Because you're going to have to respect his ability to go go down field and get it. I think his his wingspan is six eight or six nine, over forty inch vertical. And and when he's downfield, the the extension, the catching the ball outside the frame, it's no problem because he's not you know he's not thinking about the run after the catch at that point.
0: Yeah, because he's he's. Honestly, like with the ball in his hand, as you mentioned, he's one of the more fun prospects you're going to watch in recent memory. Let alone just this year. And I guess it's the question of, you know, from a coach's standpoint, I'll worry about how I get you the ball. You worry about what you do once you have the ball. A thousand percent,
1: yeah. And and again, like that's something NFL coaching. It, it's something that's going to shoot up with it. And you've seen Quentin Johnson, like some people that aren't as big of fans of him. They'll compare him to some of these guys who have busted in recent years. I saw Kevin White, you know, the West Virginia guy going back a little bit, was one guy, you know, people were tossing out uh, Denzel Mims from the Jets, whatnot. But the problem is those guys couldn't do near. they didn't show nearly as many things on college tape as Quentin Johnson did. Like Quentin Johnson, he does the thing of like, you know, the thing that the 49ers love where TCU would bring him on the end arounds and have him carry because he's such a good runner. Uh, They would funnel touchers, do him short because of that, whatnot. Um, Like, he has different parts of his skill set. It's a diversified skill set. It's not a one-trick pony kind of a thing, you know, speaking in particular to Mims. Because when Mims was at Baylor, he was literally just the the pop-the-top guy. And he did some fun things with that. And that's, of course, why he got drafted where he did in conjunction with his athletic profile. But Quentin Johnson does way, way, way more things, provably, already, than a guy like that did. So I just don't think the risk profile is as high as some people do, and I think his floor is way higher than than most do as well.
0: Uh, when you go through this process and you watch as many guys as you have, we're talking to Thor Nystrom, who just dropped his Thor 500 uh, over at Fantasy Pros, which you can go check out uh, ahead of Thursday for the NFL Draft. I'm sure you develop developed some draft crushes. Uh, who are some guys that you're looking at and saying, hey, I really want to see this guy go high, and where he fits uh, could be a fun landing spot?
1: One guy for uh, for for fantasy players out there, an offensive guy, is Evan Hall from Northwestern, who has been criminally underrated, uh, well, really his whole career, but certainly during this draft process, um, for for a number of reasons. Number one, the, his circumstances in college, like that Northwestern offense had Peter Skromsky on the line, but the other nine starters stunk. The, the rest of the offensive line stunk, the quarterback wasn't accurate or didn't have a strong arm, and the receiving core stunk, too, so... Evan Hall was basically this marked man behind a bad offensive line. But Evan Hall, one of the most diverse receiving weapons in this class at that position, both out of the backfield, but he also had one of the highest percentages in this class of snaps deployed out of the slot, snaps deployed out wide, receptions, receiving yards, aid dot, uh, yards after the catch, everything like that. He's also a super underrated runner. Uh, People just didn't realize it again because he's playing behind these really bad Northwestern offensive lines where he's constantly confronted with guys in the backfield when he was getting the ball, but you got to see him do all kinds of cool things. Like in terms of his vision, short area acceleration, the lateral agility, he's bouncy and he makes you miss. And then when when he gets into space, you see the wheels. And that was another part of the thing that was criminally underrated. about. like, people didn't think he was a good athlete, which I I don't think had anything to do with him on the field. Uh, Like he grew up 20 miles from me in Maple Grove, Minnesota He's a track star. Like that, that kid's been a fabulous athlete all of his life. And he, he goes into the pre-draft process. I think he was 93rd percentile, size-adjusted athleticism, at 209 pounds, like something like that. It, it, like this, this 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 class just doesn't have that many guys that are over 200 pounds that tested like that, certainly that have that kind of receiving skill. He's going to go on day three and be an absolute steal for someone.
0: Hey, Thor, uh, we appreciate it, and uh, apologies on the connection, but uh, thanks a lot, and uh, have fun on Thursday. Always good talking to you, boys. That's Thor Nystrom, uh, who joins us, NFL Draft and College Football Analyst, getting ready for the draft on Thursday. You can check out his work again at Fantasy Pros and Betting Pros as well, at Thor KU on Twitter, and again, 500 prospects. It's a lot. It's a lot. Uh, We'll get into some more Aaron Rodgers stuff on the other side. I want to talk to Dom a bit more as well. Dom's been walking around with a smile all day. It's we got to wipe that smirk off somehow. <laughs> uh, but on the other side, let's try to wipe a smirk off of Toronto's face as well. They're getting too happy right now with a 2-1 series lead. We'll talk to J.D. Bunkus, host of Leafstock and the J.D. Bunkus podcast. On the other side, home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650.